Thank you, Pastor Kevin. It's good to be here with you this morning. How's everybody doing? Amen. I want to welcome those who are also watching online. Um, it is a privilege to share the Word of God. And let me also say to thank you for your generosity in purchasing uh, backpacks and supplies for our students. Uh, no doubt that our students are in need. And this is a great way to encourage them as uh, they start the new school year. Amen? All right, got you started already. So just a couple of things to note about me as I share the word with you this morning. Uh, I am quite uh, effective and, and very expressive. Uh, I get a little excited uh, about the truth, about sharing the truth of the word, and that is the gospel. And so I inflect my voice. Just so you know, and not because I'm angry or anything like that. I'm just an excited person. Um, I don't want to distract you. And, and the other thing I'll, I'll say that I, when I get excited, I kind of sweat a little bit, um, maybe a lot. And so don't be distracted by that either, okay? Good. So if you uh, have your Bibles, if you're using the Bibles in front of the chairs, underneath the chairs, uh, we'll be reading from Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 4. That will be page 116, or rather 616 in, in the book, in the, uh, the Bible in front of your chair there, underneath your chair, page 616, 616. So let me, let's read, and I'll be reading from ESV, um, that translation. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall rise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastation of many generations." Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for uh, this day, another opportunity to come together as a body of believers. And we thank you for those who are visiting uh, in person and also online. We pray that you would meet us where we are. We pray that you will be honored and glorified as a result of what is shared today. I pray that your spirit would move in me and through me, that your people may hear from you. We love you and we thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm making a little adjustment, and I got the hand held here. We had a situation during the first service. It was all about me. So with that said, I'd like to share just a little bit about what was happening, the backdrop of what was happening when the Spirit of the Lord spoke to Isaiah. So here we go. So here in the events, it leads up to the spirit anointing on Isaiah. God comforts Judah. Isaiah explains why the king of Judah did not honor God. They were called rebels and sinners. They were those who did not obey the Lord's commands. Jerusalem was called the unfaithful city. She was full of justice, righteousness lodged in her, 
but now murderers. They did not bring justice to the fatherless and the widow's cause and did not come to them. They lack sensitivity for the rest of society. The Lord took away their uh, uh, Jerusalem and, and, and Judah's support and supplies, their bread, their water, their human leadership. They went from riches to rags, flourishing to desolation. So that was the state of Israel during the time in which Isaiah shared this with Israel. The title today's message, the title for today's message is this, the people need to hear good news. And I love that you're already responding. I really do. I don't know if you heard from those in the first service or not, but there's something special about this second service group. You're responsive. And so just so you know, just to encourage those who haven't caught on, I'm from the South. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, from the Baptist Church, and we get excited about God's Word, and when truth is spoken, we say amen. And so that's all right. Now, I know the church is a solemn place and where we reverence God, but it's all right to say amen when truth is spoken. So have that freedom to say amen. Right. You're doing well. The prophet Isaiah declared the good news that God will glorify himself and transform his people and they would be used to restore the ruins before the nations. Isaiah spoke to a people who were oppressed and hopeless, much like the nation that we see today, our modern-day times. The world seems to be turned upside down. There's no, there seems to be so much hurt and pain and brokenness going on. There is chaos everywhere across the globe, across the country, and in our city, and our state. There's so much heartache and devastation and uncertainty in the world. People need to hear some good news. People need to hear the good news of the gospel. Today's message in Isaiah will focus our attention on the power of the gospel and its impact on those who are poor, brokenhearted, and those who are captive and need to be free or set free. We need to be reminded of the provision of God's grace, his amazing love, and, and his faithfulness to his people who are devastated by the effects of sin. I have three points to share with you. It's important you follow with me. If you're writing this down, here are the three points. The mission, the condition, and the impact. The mission, the condition, the impact. So the first point, the mission. The Spirit compels Christ's followers to proclaim the gospel and model the character of Christ as faithful witnesses. That is the mission that God has given his church. That is the mission that God has given us, you, myself. The prophet Isaiah was anointed. He was consecrated the, uh, uh, by the Spirit of the Lord, and his life was dedicated to responding to the mission of the coming kingdom. And as a prophet, his life was devoted to speaking and carrying out the will of the Lord. Much like Christians today, us, we have been set aside to share the good news to the world. We are called to be disciples of Christ. 
And we are called to live out and to model the life that he's called us to live before the world. People need to hear the good news. The good news of the gospel. A mission, by definition, is an important assignment carried out by a group. It is the action of sending someone or an individual to another place to do a particular task or work. So verse 1 we find, as we see in your Bible, the Spirit of the Lord had anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He has set me, or rather Isaiah said, as he explains, the goal of the Messiah, the anointing, to restore creation and advance God's kingdom. He has sent me to share the good news with the poor, not just the, theor- the spiritual I'll combine the two words. Not just the physical poor, but also the spiritual poor. Not just the material poor, but the spiritual poor. All of us, all of them, the whole world is poor without God. Amen. And so we have an illustration of the mission. You like illustrations. Helps pulls out what we're talking about here. And I'm going to take you to a different passage. Don't go there. Just follow me. We're going to cover Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 4, but I want to give you an illustration in a different area in New Testament text. So you remember, this is about the mission. You remember when Peter goes to Cornelius' home in Acts 10. And so what was happening was that uh, both Peter and Cornelius uh, had separate visions from God. Peter was on mission to bring the good news to Cornelius' home where he had invited all of his family and close friends. He wanted to hear the good news. So Cornelius was a Roman centurion who was considered by Christians uh, the first Gentile to convert uh, to faith. So listen to this account. So Peter gets the vision. And he's wrestling with his own tradition. You know, Jews did not want to hang out with Gentiles. Jews did not like unclean things. That was a part of the vision that he had on the rooftop. So Peter got the lesson when the Lord was speaking, when God was speaking to him. So he gets, he arrives with the men that were sent from Cornelius' home to get Peter. So they arrive to Cornelius' home. And just one thing I'll just share uh, it's a powerful passage. I love to preach on that sometime. And so what he says when Peter enters into this Gentile's home, Cornelius, he bows down to Peter. And Peter says, whoa, pull, raise yourself up. I'm a man just like you are. Well, Cornelius was simply honoring him because he was a man of God. And Peter was thinking physical like, because he had his issues with this uh, other group, the Gentiles. He's like, man, I realize now that we're equal. So that's why Peter said to Cornelius, raise up. I'm a man just like you are. So then Peter on this mission. Cornelius is also on a mission to send for Peter. So God was speaking to Peter while he was speaking to Cornelius about them coming together where the gospel, where the good news need to be shared at Cornelius' home. And here's what the gospel is. We, we hear often the gospel. The gospel. What is the gospel? Well, it's right here. And I'll just read a couple of verses, but in a nutshell, the gospel is simply 
God so loving the world that he gave his one and only son, that who and when he gave him, he sent him through the Virgin Mary, born in on the earth, and he served for three years in this ministry, performing miracles, raising the dead, feeding the hunger, advancing his God's, his Father's kingdom as it is in heaven. That was the mission of Jesus. That was or is the good news that Jesus did come to save those who were lost. So that we who have experienced great salvation have experienced deliverance. We've experienced power from on high. We've been set our feet on a solid ground. And he's established our going. And we await his return. And while we are waiting, we are living this life that he's called us to live within this world. That is the gospel. That is the mission that God has called us to. We can go home now. We've just heard a good word. But that's just the mission. We want to talk more about what the condition is. We don't want to lose sight of what the condition is. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. We, the church, have been anointed and commissioned to make disciples. That's it. In all of the things that we do, in our roles as husbands, fathers, brothers, sisters, children, uncles and aunts, you get the point, and workers, leaders, followers, if you will, all of that is a, is a way, is a means to God advancing his kingdom through our lives. Did you hear that? The biggest thing, the most important thing, is our obedience to God's will to make disciples among the nations. That is the anthem of the church, to make disciples among the nations. In everything we do, let's not get it twisted. We're not here for ourselves, but we're here for God. Salt and light, hands and feet of Jesus, the one who sent us to share the word. Okay, the condition. See, the gospel is for everyone who fears and believes him. The gospel transcends culture, race, socioeconomics, and it is the good news that people need to hear. People need to hear the good news. We need to be reminded of the good news. So the condition. People all around us are brokenhearted, oppressed, in bondage, devastated by sin and its consequences. We see in verse 1 the poor. We see it there in the brokenhearted. We see there those who are bound, those who are uh, held captive. They need to be set free. People's hearts are broken. People are experiencing devastation. They're crushed. Not them out there only, but us too. We're experiencing that as well. Do you ever say, every time I turn around, there is? Right. Also, in the church I come from, when the pastor starts a sentence, the congregants kind of finish it. I'm sorry, you didn't get the memo. And so every time I turn around, there's always something. You're a little slow. <laughs> I'm going to work with you. 
as we see all the things that are going on, we say, if it isn't one thing, it's you did well. You passed the test. You've just had a cross-cultural experience. <laughs> Next time you go into a black church, if you ever go, <laughs> and the pastor shares, and he, he pauses, finish the sentence. <laughs> the world is in a terrible state. We can't hide. We can't turn our heads. We can't continue to turn our heads from the state of the world. When we hear about the shootings across the nation, when we hear about the shooting in Oklahoma, in Buffalo, in Uvalde, Texas, at Robb Elementary, how does that make us feel when we see those horrific experiences or incidents that happen in our nation? How does that make us feel when we just imagine if we were the parents of any of those students who were gunned down in Uvalde, Texas at Robb Elementary, while the morning of they had a graduation exercise, and the parents were honoring their kids and celebrating with them, and then uh, the parents said, we will see you when we pick you up from school. We'll see you when you get home. Uh, looking forward to what God has, what is in store for you next. And they didn't make it. Those babies, those teachers, they didn't make it. What does that do to us? God weeps when he sees this broken creation just killing, it, killing itself. When he sees the people not valuing life. What does that do to you? What about this pandemic that we've been in? Lives have been lost to this terrible virus, COVID-19. Maybe some of our family members and friends and coworkers, colleagues have lost their lives. How does this impact us? The world is in a terrible place. People are hurting. People are suicidal. People are dying. People are stuck. They're bound. And they need to hear the good news. They need to hear the only news. The only news that is significant to the soul, that brings life and joy and human flourishing. People need to hear the good news of the gospel. And just because people smile in our midst doesn't mean they're happy. Just because we're smiling today doesn't mean that we're not affected by sin, doesn't mean that things are not bothering us. So we have to be real with each other in the household of faith. We talk about our pains, hopefully, in community. And we stand with each other. But there's so many others that are not in this house, that are not in this family, that are not in the household of faith, and they're hurting. They're dying. They're using vices to cover their pain. And we see that. This world is in a terrible state. But that's not okay. But as a result of that, and as a result of the, the commission that God has given us, they need to hear the good news. John Perkins, here's a quote. John Perkins says this. He's a community developer, practitioner for over 50 years. He says, we live out our call mostly, most fully when we are a community of faith with arms wrapped about 
the community of pain. Let me read that again. We live out our call most fully when we are a community of faith with arms wrapped about a community of pain. We, as followers of Christ, have experienced the power of the good news. And the Lord released the shackles and delivered us from the pit of despair. In abundance, he set us free. He's declared the year of release. We've experienced eternal reality of beauty and that, and that joy that comes only from the Lord. That is our reality. But there are so many others who have not experienced the power in the presence of God. We have the good news for hurting people in our church, in our community, in the world. We have the good news that they need. And the gospel does not, as it goes out, does not return void. God sends us out to meet and live out as Christ followers. I told you about that's what. As Christ followers, followers to carry out the good news throughout and around the world. All the Lord calls us to do in this world can only be done by the grace and favor that he gives to us. By God's grace and favor, we're able to share the good news that the world needs to hear. Third point, the impact of the gospel. The gospel transforms lives and transcends ethnicities, cultures, and socioeconomics. As a result, the world can experience the living hope in Christ alone for the glory of the Father. You see in verse 2 and 3 when we talk about those who are mourning and they need to be comforted. We talk about those who have ashes on their heads and they need a headdress. We're talking about those who are not hopeful, those who are burnt out, run down, those who are fatalistic, those who are taking matters in their own hands and making poor decisions because they're trying to figure things out and they're destroying themselves and others in the process. People need to experience the grace of God's salvation and hope. They need to know that we care, that the church, as we speak the gospel, we live out the gospel, that we speak it and that we care, and we show it by our love for them. Because God first loved us, and he taught us how to love others. People need to be validated. People need others to go down with them. People need to experience the beautiful headdress on their heads. They need to have the outer garment. They need to have their inner being fed and filled and have a new identity. Just because you started out slow, just because you started out in a failure situation, doesn't mean you have to stay there. Because the gospel releases you. The gospel get, breaks you, allow you to break free. The gospel gives you hope. The gospel gives you power. The gospel gives you perseverance. The gospel allows you to succeed. People are hurting, and they need to hear some good news. Where are they going to get it from, Pastor Phil? 
They got to get it from us. Because we've been commissioned to speak and live out the truth before them. We who were once in darkness have been transformed by the good news and called oaks of righteousness. That's who we are. You see it in the text, first three. See, we are the first fruit of God's creation as his image bearers. We are called to love and extend grace to those who are poor in spirit, brokenhearted and held captive, for those who mourn, for those who are faint at heart. They were like us. Remember? Think about that. Remember when? Remember when someone shared the good news with you in the state that you or we were in? Remember? Maybe there's some of you who are listening online and you're, you're saying that I'm not there yet. And we're saying that where you are is where God can meet you. And the hope of Jesus could be all that you need today by simply praying and asking him to be your Lord and Savior. And calling the church, talking to the leadership to understand more about what it means to be a Christ follower. But you remember when they came to us, where you were, where we were, the state of mind. Maybe we were on verge of taking ourselves out. Maybe we were just drowning in our shame. But someone shared the good news about Jesus. And we heard that good news. And we say, really? He loved me enough to die for me? You love me enough to be Christ in my life, enough to walk with me, to get messy with me, to hang in there with me. You care enough about me. Why do you care? This is the state of the world, but as oaks of righteousness, God has called us to be a planning that he has put in place, that we would be in place to reflect his glory through the love that we share with others, through our humility among people, through our own brokenness, we testify that only by God's grace that we can be who we are today. That while we are prone to sin like anyone else, God is able through his Holy Spirit to, to forgive us our sins. And we're able to have a, a heart change. And we're able to make life changes. And we're able to experience the power of God in our lives, in our family, in our schools, in our community, in the world. For God be the glory. Oaks of righteousness. Another illustration. We're coming around the pike here. Oaks of righteousness, an oak tree. You ever seen an oak tree? You know how strong those oak trees are. They have deep roots. And they're so strong, like in my neighborhood, got an oak tree, and it has busted up the curb, the sidewalk. And I have to walk around that area because the roots are so strong, and they're just up on the surface. The oak tree saying, you got to go around me. So all that to say that we have deep roots like the oak tree. Christians, we ought to have deep roots. And the, the oak tree has large and wide branches, and they give great shade. And they have fruit. They have female and male flowers. And they have acorns. You see the illustration of the oak tree? That's only an example for us to see how we are to live out our faith in God before this world that is hurting and that is dying every day. Where are we going deep 
and strong with people? Where are we doing that in this community? In our own neighborhood? Next door? Across the street? In the workplace? At school? Where are we being oats of righteousness? I had an opportunity this past year. You see, in Indianapolis, on the Near East Side, it's a challenging community. That's where Shepherd is. And that's why I live with my wife. And often we watch the news and we hear all of the violent homicides. And we've had conversations with IMPD and they've said that those who are committing those violent homicide, homicides, they fall in the age range of uh, 15 and 22 year olds. And we are high on the list across the nation as it pertains to violent homicides. Not something we're proud of. Our young people are dying by the weekend, by the day in Indianapolis. And I'm not saying it's the problem is just there. It's more there for sure. But we have such crimes across the nation. No mass shootings, right? So I went with Shepherd's Commission, went to a local high school and wanted to be in the spaces where these young men were. So the class is called Real Talk. And these guys are from 14 to 17 or 18 year olds. And, and, and they, they get credit for being in this class. And I showed up to say, hey, I'm here because I care about your generation. Now you have to know, when going is hard, when God calls you, you need to go, but it's not always easy going. Hear me when I say that. It's not easy going, but we have to obey the Lord. And so in going, I'm looking at these young folk. Now, I'm a pretty sizable black man, older black man, but I was intimidated by those young guys because in my mind, I'm thinking about what people say about the young people. In my mind, I prejudge them to say, because you are who you are in the urban context, you're dangerous. How often do we do that? Subconsciously, we think about that. Let me go on. And so as I enter into this space with these young folk, and I'm hearing what they are coming, where they're talking about, what life is for them, and their conversations are raw. Wow. The things that they talk about. You remember when we were young? The stuff we talked about, how raw that was before Christ. <laughs> their stuff is raw. But I'm able to hear them out. And I'm able to ask questions. And I'm able to share with them about my life. You see, when I was 10 years old, growing up in Atlanta, my father was murdered. He was gunned down blocks from where I lived. And it impacted me. So it was a hard life. But God, someone shared the good news with me. And as a result, God has touched me and using me to honor and to glorify his name. Now, I got my ticket. And when, when I go on the glory, I am going on the glory because I have faith in Jesus. Or if Jesus comes back before I go, I will be caught up with him. I got my ticket. But it's not enough for me to sit and wait with my ticket and the world is in shambles. And these young folk who are afraid, by the way, who have like a swivel, their heads are, are going back and forth because they're not, they're not sure if they're going to be the last one caught. They're not sure if they're going to be the next one gunned down. So they're afraid. What happens when people are afraid with these insecurities? You act out. 
Oh, yeah. Why are you looking so hard? Why are you saying the things you're saying? Because they're hurting on the inside. They're brokenhearted. They're held captive, and they need to be set free. God calls us to the mission of sharing the good news within a world that is dark, corrupt, violent, and hopeless. Fishers, you have a great, great opportunity to minister to those in need through the mobile pantry. Praise God that you have an opportunity there in your parking lot, right here. And hopefully as you continue to engage with the neighbors who are coming here for food, that you're able to build relationships with them. Praise God for the opportunities he's given you. Take hold. Take advantage of those opportunities. Thank you for the backpacks to shepherd. Thank you for giving our young folk an opportunity to have a good start, to have supplies in a, in a, in a, reason, in a time, inflationary environment where money is hard to come by. Things are so expensive, and the backpacks will go a long way. Thank you for your reach. Thank you for your generosity. That's a great way of expressing the good news about God. Because God loved me, he calls me to love others. And I can love you by way of, gener of my generosity. But it has to go beyond that. we got to be involved in people's lives. Where you are, as oaks of righteousness bloom where you're planted. What do we say to these people? We say God's grace is amazing. We testify. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. We testify. We live that out. What do we say with the comfort that God has given us? We comfort others. That's what he's called us to. In closing, take a deep breath. May we, as oaks of righteousness, be found faithful, telling and showing the good news of the gospel through our service. Whatever God has, wherever he's planted us, there where he's called us to bloom. Let us weep for those who are hurting. Let us pray for those who are overwhelmed and who are hopeless. Let us become advocates and use our leverage and leverage our resources to help others in order to advance God's kingdom. Let us empathize with people. Let us say, I understand I'm not going through the same pains that you're going through, but I've had some pains in my own life. Let me show you my scars. Identify with them. Let them know that you're just as human as they are. And the same God who saved you, he can save them too. Let them see that they need to believe in God for themselves, but empathize with them. And let us engage with them. Don't do ministry to them. Don't do ministry for them. Do ministry with them. The world needs to hear some good news. And we have it. Now let's go. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word and thank you for this time that you've given us. And we just ask that you continue to do a work in us and thank you for the reminder that we are loved by you, that we're saved by your grace and you've given us the faith that allows us to live each and every day, that allow us to model what it means to be a, a Christian. 
And God, we pray for those who are not there. We pray that you would draw them to yourself. And even through our acts of kindness, that they would see the gospel and would respond. And they too can become ultra-righteousness. And they could be a part of helping rebuild, restore, and re-engage the city for your glory. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.